Hey y'all, it's Danielle, and welcome back to Ain't No Free Lunch. For week 11, we talk the Miss Teen USA pageant winners' racist remarks. Tykeen and I argue about Hillary Clinton's trustworthy in light of this past DNC. And finally, we start to break down the Freddie Gray case. I'm sure you've all heard that all charges have been dropped against all of the officers involved in Mr. Gray's tragic death. Extensive discussion is definitely had about Marilyn Mosby's role as state prosecutor of Maryland. It definitely gets interesting and quickly this week. We'll leave you guys to be the judge. All right, let's eat. Wow, it is really August. I'm over it already that excuse means, me it means that i have to go back to work in a month well i mean i've been working are on you, things are you not excited about teaching for a change i mean everybody is excited about doing their job but who's excited about leaving a vacation you don't go to puerto rico for two weeks and then be like day i don't know day eight man i just I really want to go back to work. Nobody does that. Don't expect teachers to do that. My work doesn't feel like work. I'm excited to wake up in the morning. Like, thank God it's Monday. He's full of crap. Thank God it's Ignore Monday. Ignore him. But you should be excited about what you do. I am excited about what I do, but I'm also excited for this vacation to keep going. I mean, who else gets vacation for? Don't even do it because you will set me off. This is a well-deserved vacation. You have no idea what we go through. Who else gets a vacation for? It's well-deserved. So she says. Oh, so you're telling teachers everywhere that the vacation that we have is not deserved, that we're not hardworking, and it's not something that we need in order to better educate our children? Go ahead and say it. Just say yes. No. all Say it. I will say this. All teachers do not deserve a vacation at that length. Okay. Way to sidestep it. But I knew what you were trying to say. So you agree? No. So all teachers deserve it? I think all teachers, it's hard. And if you don't give us this break, it's very hard to keep going full force and be ready all over again. So Especially I work, where I teach. I work 365 days a year. Even when I'm on vacation, I'm still getting calls. Ladies and gentlemen, this emails. is unhealthy. No one should work 365 days a year. I probably would agree with you there. I'm just saying. I promote health and wellness, and my spirit says that I need to take this time. Thank you. So, I wanted to talk very briefly about the whole Miss Teen USA and the racial slur. So, what's her name? Carly Hay. I think Texas. so. Yeah, Carly Hay. I really this came to my attention because I follow John Levin, John Legend's wife, Chrissy Teigen. The former model on on Twitter, and she's hilarious. Number one, like <laughs> she doesn't pay me to endorse her, so she, I'm not endorsing her. I'm not endorsing her. I'm saying she's funny. That doesn't mean you're endorsing someone. Okay, you she's hilarious. That, she tweets about food. She tweets about like she trolls come for her, and she just does not care. I don't know. She's hilarious. And she tweeted about, I guess, the top five of the team Miss USA. And she was like, wow, how can we choose for, from such a diverse bunch? Because the top five was like all blonde hair, like blue eyed, 
teenage white girls. And um, she basically said, you know, it's not their fault that, you know, that's the group that, you know, they can't help being white. But it was just really interesting that that's like what Miss Teen USA represents. And then if you look, there's like a, a larger picture, I think that was posted on Instagram by Carly Hay, who won. And it's for real a sea of white faces. Like there's like one brown face like peeking from the far back. We have to acknowledge that things like these are pageants. You know, these aren't inexpensive. These pageants scream privilege anyway. You know, everyone. There aren't upper middle class black people with privilege who can do pageants. I'm not saying that, but how many of them participated? Miss USA is black. Yeah. Graduated from Virginia State. Yeah, this year, yeah. Yeah. But let's go on with the story. We're not going to go into this whole diversity thing. I'm just saying there are black women and women of color that participate in these pageants. But how many of them participate in You don't know. They, they start at a local level. You have to work your way up. Okay. So if you the system doesn't promote your image, then you can't work your way up. Okay. Thank you. So that is the reason why we're talking about Carly Hay today. No, it's not. So Carly Hay has an affinity for using the N-word on Twitter. Two and three years ago were the most recent occurrences that I noticed. And what's the Miss Teen USA organization? It's the Miss Universe organization. It's underneath yeah, the Miss that. Universe organization has decided not to take her crown. So she's still Miss Teen USA despite this happening. What do you think about that? Well, to be fair, she is Miss Teen USA, which means two to three years ago, she was probably a lot younger. Probably, I'm guessing that she doesn't really have too many friends of color. Not say, I'm not excusing anything that she said. I'm just saying she was underage at the time that these happen. These things happen. I more so am upset with whoever her team is, who thought that just like she could be on this national scale and that nobody thought to go through her tweets. Like whoever you paid to help you get here, you need a refund. They still, she still won, so. I mean, she still won. She still gets to keep her crown. I'm just saying, like, that was sloppy work in general. I feel like, I don't know. I know people are upset, but maybe I'm just pessimistic. And when I saw the tweets, I didn't think anything was going to happen. They said, you know, she said, I was was in a very different place. I had personal struggles, which, I mean, I don't know what her personal life is, but. She's like, I've grown and I've changed. And the Miss Universe team has said, you know, she was in a terrible place. I mean, that's the whole thing. You can say the N-word all you want to and then turn around and say that you're not racist. That's what society has pretty much dictated us. Like, look at that SAE. Like, remember the fraternity that kept singing about, like, how there never be a nigger in SAE, blah, 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 blah. And everybody was like, they're not racist. Yeah, you know, I had some, I didn't expect anything different. I had some interesting interactions with SAE at UNC, which we can talk about another time. <laughs> um, long story short, SAE would never allow me to come in. So at UNC, there are no, on frat court, there are no black fraternities. Like, they don't have any housing there. So I mean, that's pretty, pretty standard. William & Mary has well, I mean, I off mean, and on one black sorority house that switches ownership every once in a while that guy that used to wear number 23 with the ball head he's an alumni of the same institution as i 
and he's a member of Omega Psi Phi. So, you know, you would think that if he was re- if he really cared about the community and giving back, that he'd probably, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, SAE. But I'm would, just they, saying. They, they would tell me that the people that came with me, who were always female, that they could come in, but you can't come in. And so even some of them was like, what's up, man? Like, we in class together. He was like, sorry, man, it's up to the brothers. But he was the weed man on campus, like, you know, so he got busted. And, of course, he had some privilege. Um, You know, he knew some people, so he got busted. And then he went to, like, Panama, and he just had probation for a while. It was ridiculous. But nevertheless, about Miss Hay, part of me says that, yes, she was a teenager. She was a young person. We are allowed to grow. She grew up in the in the public space. So, you know, maybe we need to give her some room to, to grow further and be a little bit more tolerant, I guess. But then I kind of think back to the story of Vanessa Williams. Right. And, oh, they trashed Amer- her. And Miss America, back in 1983, Vanessa Williams was the first black miss america some uh shortly thereafter she was crowned there were some pictures of her naked some nude pictures actually i think she was in like playboy or penthouse magazine i don't remember i wasn't born then neither was i <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't try that <laughs> the miss america pageant board made her resign as miss america so they do have a precedent if you are shining a negative light on the organization. And so I don't know if this is a little bit different because she's a teenager, but I definitely think that we should def, you know, kind of keep both of those things in mind. Now, granted, in 1983, being naked was taboo. Yeah, I mean, saying niggas should be taboo. It's 2016. Well, excuse me, it was 2013, 2014 when those happened. But... In my personal opinion, I don't know. I, I I do agree. Like I was saying, you know, she was young. She needs to grow. But, like, there's literally no consequence for any of that. And she's in this public space. And I just feel like I get very frustrated over and over again where, like, white people can throw the N-word around in especially a negative manner and there be no consequence. And then every it- response is oh, I'm not racist. Did she use it in a negative manner, though? Well, let's look at some of the tweets real quick. All right, so I'm just reading exactly what she tweeted. Is that a disclaimer? It is a disclaimer. Okay. So just be prepared. So she tweeted at, I guess, a friend, and she said, my nigga, my nigga, which was that song popping then in that by, like, YG Mm. in 2014? I don't remember, honestly. It might have been. We'll figure it out. Another time she said, and I quote, watching Taken out with my nigger at whoever she was talking to because she chooses someone else over me. Feel special, bitch. Which I also find to be problematic that she's using the B word alongside the N word. But So the YG song did come out in September of 2013. September 2000. So that, that might have, you know, influenced... Her, but also, let's let's be clear that there was a edited version that was mass produced. That was my hitter. That was kind of like, here, don't use this word. Use this word instead. So she had options. <laughs> she actively chose to use the N word. 
Okay. Carry and on. then in a response to someone else, like she 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 says, I know I'm a comedian nigger. So I guess somebody responded to her previous tweet. And then someone else tweets her and said and she responds with, Don't threaten me, I will wrap your house nigger. And these are like with a hard E R. Like not even with an A, so not even the friendly one. These seem kind of negative. You know, we can have this conversation another time about if there is a friendly version of not. But what do you think? So do you think that they should take her crown from her, or you know, what should be her? I know you say that just kind of like she just using these terms, and there's really no consequence. So there is would, no consequence. What would be a reasonable consequence? Well, one, they could take her crown. And, and let people know that if this is something that you want to be a part of, that this is behaviors that you shouldn't be partaking in, period. Or at least do a better job of hiding it next time. Like, tweets are public, one. Two, she could be required to have made, I don't know, she just, it just seemed like there was such a veil put down. She just, like, tweeted out her apologies. Yeah, well, I mean... Surely this wasn't her talking. You know, I mean, when you look at some of the statements that came she could out have today, made a video. She could. I mean, she. There are a lot of different things that she could have done, or she could have put this as a part of been forced to put this as a part of her platform. But she probably didn't think that it would come out. But it did. So now that but it has, she's already won. Now, no, so. I'm saying like that oh. could have been part of her punishment. Oh yeah, moving forward, I'm sure that she will do something. She, about, it's sloppy, and Miss Team USA is sloppy. Okay, so moving on. Last week, you all got to witness a real convention. Y'all hear me? A real convention. Oh, my gosh. But over the weekend, I did see a lot of, not a lot, but from a few people that all happened to be African-American women that they're saying that they aren't voting for Mrs. Clinton that they are going to write in Bernie Sanders, they're going to vote for Donald Trump, or they're not going to vote at all. And Which so, is technically their constitutional. Well, it's not voting is not a constitutional right. Let me backtrack. It is their their right. It is their right. At this point, it's their right. But we know 200 years ago, it wasn't a right afforded to them. But nevertheless, there was this common theme about Mrs. Clinton not being trusted. And, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to just talk very briefly about that because they keep saying, oh, she's a liar. But they just kind of basically I feel like they are using the Republican playbook like Democrats are using it for the Republicans now, because these are the things that Republicans have been saying for years about Mrs. Clinton and PolitiFact, who we talked briefly about last week. Out of all, what was it, 21, 22 candidates in the primaries, they found Mrs. Clinton to be the most truthful out of them all, including Bernie Sanders. So, In terms of her public statements? Yeah. So where is this coming from? And Oh, and also something that really kind of got under my skin over the weekend. Some of my friends said that Hillary Clinton seems to evolve on issues when it's convenient for her. And I went on to tell her, I said, hey, so has President Obama. You know, so has everyone else. They all seem to evolve. 
Heck, I've evolved on issues over the past 10 years. So I know that's probably one of the curses of Mrs. O Mrs. Clinton is that she has been in the public eye for so long, uh, been a public figure. But I did want to kind of hear from you, you know, someone that really doesn't care about her, but you're going to vote for her. So you know, I just wanted to ask you that. So I think there are a lot of things that people don't trust about Hillary Clinton and sometimes I'm in that I'm in that corner. I'm really interested to see about those speeches, those Goldman Sachs speeches that she's not releasing. I'm really interested to see I'm not going to say that I don't want her to evolve as a person because I think that if you are the same person that you were 20 years ago, anybody, there's a problem. You need to be growing and evolving on issues. No one is right about absolutely everything. But I think there is concern over, I guess, her ambition to want to be president. And, I, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but a lot of people view her as someone who's incredibly calculating and someone who's going to do whatever is necessary to get that top spot. Yeah. Does I that make sense? I'm not going to go into detail. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm definitely going to continue to hold her feet to the t to the fire. But at this point, I feel like she's our best option in terms of someone who will give us a, to give us progressive leadership within the White House. So I do, I do want people to understand that the Democratic National Convention is not a place to just stop. We don't have to accept all of her platforms on everything, and we can continue to push her. But at this point, like calling her untrustworthy, it just kind of seems counterproductive for someone like myself who is hoping that she takes office over Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing for me. I heard a quote one time that said the people that want to be president probably should never become president. And so I guess we can kind of say she falls into that category. Yeah, I don't know. I I fall into that that lump of people who just I don't trust her. <laughs> Why? What what don't you trust about? So I mean, sometimes oh, oh, don't you have like feelings about people or just like they're they're based on fact. Uh, you know, I don't deal with just my feelings and my emotions. So you know, basically, I'm, I'm an analytical he's person. insulting everybody who does operate off of that. There are tons of people in this world that get feelings, have intuition about certain people, and are often correct based on that. So point no, blank, no, don't no, come at people no, the question, who don't operate no, solely off of no, that. No, I'm, you I'm asked answering question. your question. No, but you, you just said asked why. Me a question. You, you said why. You said, and don't I you, said I have a feeling. And you asked me, don't what was you ever question? get a feeling? Yeah, but then you then you came at me extra hard, like I come off at facts, no, like no, like I'm you, dumb for having a feeling. <laughs> don't come at me. No, you asked Taikin Cooper a right, question, but it's and the, Cooper it's not always what you say; it's how you say it. Okay, so. Are you were you offended or I'm insulted? Just, I'm saying that I could you can say no, I usually go off of facts. You you came at me a little bit. I'm gonna push back. Okay, well and why? I mean, there's no reason why. Yeah, we can say that she was not an advocate for these types of things over the years, but you know we can say the same thing about President Obama. President Obama. We're not talking about but, President Obama. But, though. You keep but throwing saying, in other people. But We're I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. That is hypocritical for us to hold her to a standard that we don't hold. Maybe other we learned our to. lesson with Obama. 
oh, now we learn. Oh, so people can't do that though. Um, maybe you're they just have talking evolved. about her evolving. Maybe they have evolved. So it seems like other people are evolving, and she's catching the the brunt of that evolution. Don't be mad. These are the same. This is what people, you're asking for. These are the same people that Obama can go out and say tomorrow that he's going to use a drone and kill fifty thousand people in Syria, and they'll be like, "Okay, Obama said it," because it, I guess it's his approach. But sometimes it's not what I, you say; it's how you say it. I, I'm I'm all for voter. Did you learn that lesson just now? I'm all for <laughs> voter accountability. <laughs> you know, let's hold Mrs. Clinton's feet to the fire. Absolutely. You know, let's push her to make her the best president that we've ever had in this country. But let's do let's let it come from a good place. Don't let it just come from like out of malice. And I feel like a lot of times people make the comments about her out of malice. And well, I mean, there's still a lot of people who have questions about that whole email situation. There are a lot of people who still have questions about Benghazi. I'm not validating any of that or saying, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm saying people have the right to use that as a way of not trusting her. Once again- People don't trust the system in general, and she seems incredibly entrenched in that in that system. Once again, Democrats are using the Republican playbook. I mean, but because, that doesn't because, mean the Republicans are wrong just because they're using that playbook. Because because we know all along that Benghazi, this whole email server, all of this has been a farce. She said that she it was incredibly uh, out of like I watched her on sixty minutes. She said that it's not something she would ever do again, and that it was, she used incredibly poor judgment. Yeah, it, it's something that she wouldn't do again. But if that was the case, why weren't they? Why haven't they gone after? Colin Powell or Condoleezza they're not, Rice they, that's for, why for they doing could, the exact they be, same thing. The thing about it is, we're either thing. one of them running for president. It's not even about her running for it president. It is about her running for president. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it is not. This is just a way to discredit her. Because I, she's running for president. Like I said, it, it would add more. Does she need to be discredited if she's not running? It would add more credence to it if they would say, I'm going after my own as well, which they aren't. Nobody ever goes after their own. Okay. Like, let's be real. So, so we can agree that this is, this is a political witch hunt. So then if we go after our own, now we're wrong because the Republicans don't go after their own? No, if I was in that situation, I don't care if it was President Obama. If I'm addressing negative behavior, I'm always going to address. It. I don't care if that's my mama. Right, I'm going but that's what I'm you. saying. So you're you're saying that everyone else that had has done it in the past should have also gotten swept up underneath that, no matter how long ago it was. Yes, if you're going to investigate it, investigate it all. Do you even know if those policies were in place back then? The internet was totally different. We didn't have internet in 2000. I didn't say we didn't. See, now you're putting words in my mouth. I said it was totally different. What was so different about Hacking it? Hacking systems, like the dif the different, po I mean, you got to look at like encrypting and like how think things have evolved and technology evolves incredibly fast. I'm not saying that they, that's not something they shouldn't have done, but we don't even know if those policies would have even covered them. But, you know, even with the whole email thing, like, if anyone with that type of classification sends an email, like, there's a transmission service. And so th these emails don't just go from Hillary Clinton to Putin, for example. Like, they, they there's a transmission service. And so these servers dictate where they go first. And so someone else dropped the ball, even if she shouldn't have. But we aren't going to talk about the email so today. So I'm just, all I'm saying is it was wrong. She said it was wrong. She knew it was wrong. You cannot blame people for saying that they don't trust her based off of that. It's valid. 
I guess that is their prerogative, but only I'm saying I'm not here for it. We can have these conversations all the time. But it doesn't seem like you're here for any reason why somebody doesn't trust Hillary Clinton. Every time, (laughs) everything is like you always have an answer for it. Let people distrust her. I'm fine with it. Like I said, we're going to win the election without that small number of people. So why are you upset? Because they they keep throwing it in my face. They want to have these conversations until I begin to have them. And then they say, oh, no, we're not going to have this. I'm just saying. Happened ten, it happened 10 times over the weekend. Validated in having that feeling that they don't trust her. So they should trust Donald Trump more? This is where the diversion tactic comes in, where he feels like he needs to throw in someone else. We're talking about Hillary Clinton. You cannot trust her and still vote for her. These people said they aren't going to vote. Well, then, I mean, they probably weren't going to vote anyway. Facts only. (laughs) Well, as of last week, Marilyn Mosby decided to drop the charges on the three remaining officers in wake of the death of Freddie Gray. Yeah, that was really big news on my, my Twitter feed. I also got a notification from like the Richmond Times Dispatch. I get those notifications to my phone. Yeah, so do I. So it was a lot of chatter around it, but I also kind of feel like even though there was a lot of chatter around it, it was kind of drowned out. I, I don't know. I felt like something like this could have gotten more attention. Well, it was probably was it, the day that it came out too. Right? Did it? Was it like around the DNC? Yeah, it was. It was Wednesday or Thursday. So Wednesday you had Obama. Thursday you had Clinton. Right. So I feel like if this had just dropped maybe today, where there's not much going on, it would have garnered a whole lot more attention. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was strategic, like drop it in the middle of the DNC, so it wouldn't garner too much attention. I don't know. It's just it was very interesting to me because it I did see a lot about it, but I didn't. I guess like you know how you have those like Twitter analysts or people who feel like they well I'm like this like we feel like we have to say something about everything and yeah. we have to break everything down. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I just didn't see that for this case, and I didn't know if it was the timing or if a lot of people were who had like super hardcore backed her just didn't want to like talk about how this had kind of gone awry you know i'd say probably the latter i think the dnc had a little bit to do with it though probably so you know because kasir khan's like his speech was popping that's all i want to uh, talk about (laughs) but whatever (laughs) what the heck is donald trump doing with that anyway i don't know but he's getting dragged from both sides Rightfully so. As he should be. If you guys haven't seen Kazir Khan's speech from the DNC, I highly, highly recommend you go check it out on YouTube. And where does he live? I don't know. Where does he live? Oh, Virginia. Yay. Crip. <laughs> Crip. <laughs> He's from Char- Charlottesville, Virginia. Actually. Absolutely. Yes. And his son was a graduate of the UVA. You took me off guard because I didn't know that was something. I was like, wait, I should know this. <laughs> so Mosby. Stepped out last week, much like she did last April, and gave this press conference. She wanted to keep the people um, informed, I assume. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I appreciated many of the things that that Marilyn Mosby said. I thought there were some poignant comments, but I don't think she should have made them. 
as the prosecutor in Baltimore. She's just been in the office a year and a half. We know what she was like, the youngest prosecutor of a major city in America when she was elected. Yes, the youngest top prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that a lot of them were, I guess we would probably break them down in a little bit, but they were detrimental to her function as a prosecutor. And if I was one of the police officers, I'd probably feel like this was a personal attack on police in general and not on the the culture or the system of policing. So I I watched the press conference and I have two things. One I Go while, ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Whatever it is. While watching it, I felt like I was being yelled at. So it was very difficult for me to like kind of pay attention. Her style of press conference, I guess, is a very aggressive style. And I don't really want to pick apart like the way that she she talks because I feel like as women, that's something that we often have and it's something that I get really frustrated with personally. I just do not prefer her style of giving a press conference. It, it makes it very hard for me to see her point of view, not saying that like I don't see her point of view, but it makes it more difficult when I feel like I'm kind of being yelled at. <laughs> so you, you didn't care for the presentation? Yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. The presentation of it was distracting to what she was actually, ha- what she actually said. So there were a couple instances where I had to kind of think through what it was that she was actually saying, like be an extremely active listener, which made it very difficult. And I feel like if there are other people, particularly people who are of that like Blue Lives Matter coalition who are watching that, and that's the same type of read that they're getting off of her, they're really not gonna listen. Not to say they were gonna, <laughs> they were gonna listen a whole lot before that, but I feel like it's kind of a little bit counterproductive to her making her point. Right. So a little background for you all that haven't been following the cases that closely. She charged six officers last year. Four of them had already been tried. The first one had a hung jury and the last three were found not guilty via bench trial, which is a trial with the judge. So this is all surrounding the death of Freddie Gray that kind of sparked the Baltimore riots that we saw and three, I believe three of the police officers were white, three were black. I believe there's a woman in that mix. Yeah. So it's a very... It's, it's a black woman. I, th- I think it were... I think this is how the people identified. Okay. Three identifies white, two was black, and one as Latino. Okay. So this was... I felt like this group of people being the ones that were being charged... I don't know. I'm not saying that it was a positive thing at all. This should have never happened in under any circumstances, but I I thought it was it spoke very strongly to the implicit like police bias that people were trying to speak to, saying that it's not always like we're not talking about like white people being racist against black people or white police officers. It's a culture of bias. And it doesn't matter what type of skin color you have, your sex or gender that you, you identify with. It's There's a culture that's being bred under policing. Essentially us versus them. Right. And so I felt like this was an important 
example to those people who are making that point that it's it doesn't matter the race of the police officer if policing itself is inherently racist we have a problem so i just i wanted to point that out because there were a lot of people who were saying see now all you know black lives matter blah blah, blah. some of the police officers were black like you're totally missing the point of like the backdrop to black lives matter and their their hopes for better policing right so at one point she did make a comment about the officers deciding to have a bench trial, which I'd argue is that constitutional right. You know, she made the comment that when the first officer was tried by a jury of his peers, that it was a hung jury. It was. And that this, the the next three officers decided that it should be, that they didn't want a jury trial. So they were all found not guilty. If I was in that situation, I would probably want a jury trial as well, especially a jury at, trial or I mean, a judge a, trial, a bench trial, sorry, okay. with a judge, and not have a jury, especially in light of all of the other things that were transpiring in Baltimore at the time after you know the Baltimore riots. Right, such. you basically have to have been living under a rock in Baltimore because that's where their jury pool is coming from. Yeah. Am I wrong? Right. Okay, so and, it's, and that's why the defense attorneys wanted. A change of venue right because they didn't think that they could get an impartial jury in baltimore right but at the same time uh, it's i know judges are supposed to be like the epitome of like what's fair and impartial but judges are are people too like they're watching these same riots they're having the same you know i mean i know they're supposed to uphold the law and i'm not saying that all, what I am saying is judges are humans and judges can be swayed and be able to manipulate because all, all law is interpreted. Yeah. So basically you're saying that's what some people that, that don't believe in jury say, you know, they say that all people have some type of bias and belief system. Same and, thing with the judges. B- but if anything, I'd argue that this judge would probably be more, um, sympathetic to to freddie gray and and probably because he was black because he's black he was a he worked for the department of justice in the civil rights division he was an aggressive prosecutor in police misconduct cases so if anything this kind of lined up for the prosecution well the the gray family attorney like the the attorney for that represented the family of freddie gray said that they felt like his selection, uh, Judge Barry G. Williams, that his selection was fair. They didn't have any complaints. And he made that statement after the first police officer was acquitted. So that wasn't even before. He was yeah. saying, even after that, I still feel like he is an incredibly fair and impartial judge. Since you brought him up, I do think it's important. You know, He was one of the reasons why they wanted Marilyn Mosby to recuse herself. Because he was a huge contributor to her campaign. Um, the attorney for Freddie Gray. The attorney for Freddie Gray's family. And so they thought there was a conflict of interest. And don't forget, remember, she participated in the concert last year where the late Prince were, uh, performed. She participated in some rallies. And this happened in her husband's city council district. Right. So they thought that she was just trying to score political points. He actually ran for mayor this year. I know. I saw that. But... Like I said, I agreed with a number of the things that she said. We both agree that we didn't 
absolutely love her approach. But I don't think those things should come from a prosecutor. You know, that sounds like someone running for mayor, a political activist, you know. Her press conference in general? Yeah, her press conference in general. Actually, Albert, who was on a few episodes ago, he and I were talking about it on Facebook because he was just in love with it. He said, whatever she does, I'm going to go campaign for her. <laughs> but so then Albert said, that's a Signetti moment. So you remember Signetti? No, I don't remember Signetti. Did you watch The Wire? Probably a little bit before your time. Um, yeah. yeah, I watched like <laughs> The Wire off and on. It's really intense. Like you have to like be in. That's how I feel about House of Cards. So it's like emotionally draining. draining. Yeah. yeah. So like I don't think I ever like got around to finishing it. Yeah. So Signetti was the the young guy running for mayor that would do anything. Like he would grandstand and so. Albert said this was kind of like a Signetti moment. He's interested to see how this plays out for her in the future. But let's talk a little bit more about this trial, right? The Freddie Gray family attorney did say something that I think is, I know that you're not going to agree with this. And you know I'm not. I don't even know what you're going to say, and I know I'm not going to agree with it. But he said that justice doesn't come in a verdict. He said that last year, and that, you know, it, it shouldn't come in an outcome. And basically, the justice means that the officers would be held to the standards of due process, which unfortunately they didn't afford to Freddie Gray. We can say that many things have changed over the past 16 months because of Mosby's decision to pursue charges. But let's just kind of look at some of the public outcry and some of our arguments about justice with some of these other cases in the past. I'm just... I'm confused because I know that there's like incremental justice and we want justice to the entire, like we want justice that creates change to the entire system. But if I'm, if I have someone in my family who's been murdered, right? And the people who are responsible for that get to go home, I'm mad. I don't feel like justice has been served. And then who's to say that like once this down this this outcry dies down that we don't see these and that was something that she said in her speech she was like you know justice is ensuring like something like this never again happens to someone else which I totally appreciate. I'm totally here for it. But then what if it does? And you still got them walking free. I don't know. I just feel like but, but, but everybody then, wants me to be happy but, with halfway getting stuff but to me that kind of goes back to like what is the goal of incarceration like, i mean that's a very very loaded question that yeah. i don't think we have time but if you're talking about like if justice means someone goes to prison because they did something to your family member like what do you actually hope to accomplish because prisons correctional centers penitentiaries the goal of them all should be to rehabilitate for these people to re-enter society i didn't say that they wouldn't be once they got there but so some people none of these officers are receiving rehabilitation from what i could see how do you know like who says i don't to, well then who if, says you have to go to prison to be rehabilitated well they need to put it out there then because i don't know it looks like they're going home and and hanging out eating popcorn ice cream and Icy's oh, and yeah. chilling. Well, they're about to sue the city so they can get their payback. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. It's very hard to to sue an attorney. 
they're going to sue the city, the city oh. council, to because some of them were on. I not, heard that they, they were suing the. Leave. Yeah, they're 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 going to sue her. They're as suing well. her. That's what I'm saying. Like that's going to be very hard because like prosecutors have a certain level of immunity surrounding them because everything they can always say everything followed un, fall fell under me just doing my job. Yeah, some people say that she's been unethical. Yeah, you know. that's a waste of time. They, but, yeah, I they agree with that a lot. But let's. In Sanford, Florida, we condemn the system because George Zimmerman was never arrested or charged. Because that was sloppy. And honestly, that's why that case garnered national attention. It wasn't because he killed Trayvon Martin. It was because he went home and he was never charged. And so they said, we're having to due process of the law. We condemn the system in St. Louis County and Staten Island in wake of the deaths of Michael Brown and Eric Garner because the prosecutors decided to allow a grand jury to determine if the officer should be indicted. And, you know, we can, there's a lot of discussion about if grand juries actually can be swayed to whatever the prosecutor wants. But the argument cannot be that these officers were never brought to trial. They were charged or brought to trial. Some of them actually stood trial and not one was convicted. So my heart goes out to the great family in this difficult time. And I'm sure it's even more difficult to relive your grief publicly over and over and over again. But this was due process. I mean, th- this is what our system was designed to do, even though we may not like th- even the, the system whole s- wasn't built for us. Even though we may not like the outcome, this the revolution is, will not be televised. This is what <laughs> our system was designed to do. Yeah, to get police officers off after murdering someone because otherwise Freddie Gray killed himself. You know, he threw himself into the side of the truck until he severed his own spine. Well, did they ever prove how he actually died? Because they were they weren't consistent with that. Either. The medical examiner said that it was a homicide. But, it was a homicide, but they never proved where it happened or exactly how it happened. But at the same time, because they were inconsistent with that. What I'm saying is, as it stands, Freddie Gray killed himself. I won't the say system wasn't. Himself. I mean, yes, this is what our system was designed to do. Exactly, that's the problem. Like we have, they they were indicted, and now they stood trial. And Some the, of them stood trial. And the only reason and then, the only reason why she dropped the charges for the other three were because was because she knew that she was not gonna win that trial. Those right, cases. which is this is this is my issue. We have a system that allows police officers who are are a part of misconduct or who have misconduct to go home. That is a problem. Just because this is the way the system was designed doesn't mean the system works. I mean, it, it, obviously, it's working in their favor. And I mean, again, like I need to—I know I have to be clear about this because people automatically think that I'm just as one thing that I really like that she said is just because, just because I'm saying this does not mean that I'm anti-police. I am anti-police brutality. We have a system in place that allows for police brutality to happen and for there to be very few consequences so yes it's the system but it doesn't mean the system's not broken if this is what i have to accept as justice there is a problem does that make sense because i feel like it makes sense just because this is the way that it works doesn't mean that it's working properly 
I can't say that. So is this the only time that you say the system doesn't work? Now, the criminal justice... Criminal justice system is the the criminal justice system has a number of issues, but we aren't really talking about those things. We are ignoring those things, but and we're focusing on this one case. It's it's definitely a tragedy. I mean, that's the way the media works. Our attention tends to follow media. What I'm saying is, and then also she said like, that she has a plan, which this, I'm really interested in. I, I'm also very interested in in whatever her plan is. I just feel like. In this instance in particular, that there is an inherent problem. Yes, they might not have had enough evidence. I mean, or they might have gone about prosecution in a sloppy way. Which Absolutely. If, if that's the case, then it's not the system. But I'm not going to say the system doesn't play a part in this at all. So, Danielle, you know, last year when she marched out there in, in April... Right. And she announced her charges and she garnered like a million new Twitter followers. <laughs> she did. She did. I told you that she overcharged officers and that they were going to walk. I told you this because proving depraved heart murder in this case, I think, was virtually impossible. And I understand and respect why she charged them all because most police departments have cultivated this culture of the blue code of silence sometimes called the blue wall no snitching amongst police officers basically it's like and that also drives me crazy because it's like they have this like why do you guys have this no snitching rule on the streets but you have it in the police like like department well you know they believe that they're their brother's keeper i mean and and other people don't i'm not saying i'm not advocating no snitching i want to be clear about that i'm just saying that like you can't ask for they're trying to eat have their cake and eat it too yeah so you know in her press conference last week she said that the police department withheld evidence from her office to sabotage the investigation which i really don't know if that's true or not because you know there was a gag order for more than a year but we do know that her office was scolded for withholding evidence from the defense which is illegal i do remember hearing about that as well yeah i don't remember the the exact like particulars of it but i do remember that being like a huge deal yeah you you know as a prosecutor the state cannot withhold evidence like they have to turn everything over so i that's probably part of the reason why i'm sure that's one of the arguments they're going to use to say that she acted out of malice and that it was unconstitutional and unethical the things that she and her office did so she did i did like when she started talking about the criminal justice system itself i did last too, week because that's i think that's literally what i've been trying to say yeah i wish that she had used that as an opportunity to talk about like the law enforcement officers bill of rights which you know they had 10 days before they even had talked to her office right but she didn't which do is that wholly problematic yeah she didn't do that which you know i'm definitely i would have been here for that also i think just to throw this out there's something that a good friend of my uh mine Talita, pointed out to me is now they're like a lot of people who are working within like trying to rectify or create justice surrounding police stations or like police officers or policing in general is they're also looking into police unions and i don't know if i mean she couldn't have clearly she couldn't have said that that would have totally been outside of her realm 
as the prosecutor. No one's going to talk about police unions. I mean, I'm just going to be candid I'm just saying, I'm, I know, I'm saying, like, I understand that, but I, I wonder if that is going to be, like, whatever plan she has, and maybe she's not going to push it through her particular plan, or if that's something that she's going to kind of, like, go down, I mean, pass that on to somebody else. Now, granted, I will say this, that Miss Mosby has had some innovative plans in the past like mm-hmm. she had a she has a, this plan that helped felons get jobs in baltimore and stuff you know she's had some good plans previously right but i don't think she's gonna go at police unions there's who's gonna vote against it in maryland because i don't know because democrats typically People hate teachers unions democrats <clears throat> typically don't go against unions. no we don't in general and Republicans aren't going to go against police unions. Now, they'll go against teachers' unions, but they're not going to go against police unions. Obviously. they consider themselves the party of law and order. It sounds good in theory, but I don't see I'm it I'm just happening. saying, if we're really trying to create change, for those of y'all out there, um, I'm waiting. But, yeah, I just wanted to, to throw that out there. Shout out to Talita Sweldo uh, for, for pointing that out. So, yes, our criminal justice system definitely needs some reformation, and we need it as soon as possible. I've been here for that for quite some time. But I think Miss Mosby has to find a way to check her privilege at the door and also admit that she's a little bit part of the problem as well. Here we go. Go ahead. I'm listening. So... I'm really, really, really against even using this phrase, war on drugs. And yet, here you are using it. But I think we definitely need to have this conversation. So the war on drugs, I think we both can agree that it's been a failure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Complete failure. Thanks, Ronald Uh, Reagan. (laughs) uh, Here's to you. It really starts at Nixon. I'm looking at him, though. It really starts with Nixon. He's the one that capitalized. I'm just... It it did start with Nixon. Okay, I'll say Has disproportionately affected the poor and people of color. Hope we can agree with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And led to the rise of SWAT teams and the militarization of police in America. Think we can agree with that i can't agree with that you know honestly i don't think the framers of the constitution even had intention for police as we know them as today you know we can talk about that another time but basically police were private citizens that got together to ma- maintain and keep order you know i.e capture fugitive slaves like they weren't supposed to be like these full-time people that protected and served you agree or no? I, I agree. I'm trying to see where, where this falls off. So, because of a number of variables, our modern-day police departments are essentially soldiers. Agree or no? <laughs> <laughs> if you guys can see the way that he keeps speaking at me when he <laughs> says that. <laughs> um, it, I I agree. I think okay, that they're definitely right. soldiers. I, I, I didn't ask for that. I asked if you. Well, agree let me explain not. why. Most, especially like given the military grade weaponry they have, they come out like ready for full on combat. 
Oh, that's why I'm. Yeah, but just to certain people. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so yeah, just let, to certain people. Let me keep working my working my plan. Okay, we'll see if so, I, I feel like this is gonna fall off at some point for me. So so far, she's agreed with all of this. I have, I have. Okay. Let's see how you put it together. So I think that it's important to acknowledge that we are much more careful and creative when we are attacking or apprehending um, world terrorists such as Osama bin Laden than we are enforcing the war on drugs in America. Absolutely. Um, so Unless it's against brown and black people. There are countless. I said we're more careful like getting like Osama bin Laden than we would oh, okay. get a drug then, dealer okay. around mis- the corner. I misheard you. I so, you. So you agree with me there? I do agree with you on that. So, you know. For those listeners that may not agree, there are countless examples of police breaking into the wrong house, killing innocent citizens and their beloved animals because of the war on drugs. Here you go with these dogs. So, did you know (laughs) that nearly 250,000 dogs are killed by police each year? Postal workers receive more training on how how to deal with dogs than police. I mean, I love, 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 love my dog. I really do. And I will set it off if something like that happened to Dahlia, who is like 14 at this point. But let's, let's focus on the, the people. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the humans. <laughs> so in my younger years, before I was gray, I used to think that it was just rhetoric. Yeah, he has two gray hairs in his beard, and he's talking about before he was gray. Okay. But the system is definitely waging a war on its citizens because of drugs. So there are all these misconceptions about drugs. Unless you are a white opioid user in Northeastern America, then you deserve treatment. Unlike the populations of impoverished people who have been ravaged by meth. But you know, Southern, you know, us folks, we don't. don't So let's just call a spade a spade here for a second. Drug dealers rarely shoot police. Rarely, yes. They, they rarely have weapons other than pistols. Yes. But, you know, we have these rot, we have these raids and where they bombard them with these military weapons and military gear and use these tactics, right? Yes, unless you are a white Northeastern opioid user, then they will provide you with clean needles and give you a place to shoot up. However, the people that we should be afraid of, like... Whitey Bulger or Dylan Roof. Crazy. We find innovative ways to arrest them. Of you, course we do. You know, they're white. We, we They're t- nice white Christian boys. We take them to Burger King or Fly we, them back. We call you and say, Hey, I think someone broke into that's what they did to Whitey Bulger. Hey, I think someone broke into your uh to your storage unit. Can you please meet us there? And so Whitey Bulger comes and then they arrest him. But if it's a drug dealer around the corner, they breaking in the door like, hands up, don't move, I'm blow your head off. That's because they're fearing for their life, Chakeen Cooper. So, know that. I encourage you all to read they this. They are in fear. Nerdgasm. <laughs> Nerdgasm. The Rise of the Warrior Cop by Radley Balco. I've never read that one. Yeah. And I usually have read, like, all of them. <laughs> you don't read the books that I read. Uh. Like you haven't uh, said something that I, okay, never mind. But so this is how the war on drugs relates to Miss Mosby. We know that Miss Mosby 
asked the police to target the area where Gray was arrested because it was a red zone, a high crime area, right? Right? I mean, I, I guess so. Okay. I don't know that she shouldn't have told cops to but, target that but, area. But listen, but they were targeting because of drugs, right? So right. It, these low-level petty crimes, basically, is basically like the broken windows theory of police. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. Yeah, so for you all that's not, is basically if you clean up the small things in your community, you won't have big things. So if you have graffiti on buildings, if you clean that up, people won't escalate. The crimes won't escalate. There are places where that has been proven to be true, though. Yeah. But there, I'm just gonna there are plenty there. of places where it hasn't worked. Well, yeah, if it's administered in, in I guess, uh, the non-consistent or sloppy manner, yes, yeah. then it doesn't work. But I, I, I'm just saying it, that theory does work when applied properly. Yeah, so the police say that they first started after Freddie Gray because he was possibly dealing drugs, which we know that even if he wasn't, Hashtag implicit bias. Or not only that, didn't the Supreme Court just, uh, they just finished saying, maybe it, it might not have been that recent, but it was like, if a police officer does something illegal to apprehend a suspect, but then something is found on that suspect afterwards, then the police officer is not no longer subject to getting in trouble for the original arrest. They can still use whatever they found. Yes. Which is crazy. It doesn't even matter if what they do is illegal. Yeah, I mean, as long it, as they find something on you at some point. It's kind of like the whole no-knock raid thing because kind of the idea starting with your boy Nixon with the whole no-knock raid was... Your boy Nixon. You know, he kind of started attacking the castle doctrine, but... Mm -hmm. They said that if you knocked and told people it was police, they had enough time to dispose of the drugs. And so we know that's not the case. Right. I mean, that goes along. That intersects with the Sixth and Eighth Amendment. But yeah. yeah. But, you know, now they'll just knock on the door and say police and then just break in because anyway. But we know how quickly um, the police is suspected that Gray was involved with drugs in an area. And we both know how quickly things can escalate with police. Check the videos of Alton Sterling, Philando Castile. Rest in power. Gray's attainment ended in his his death. And his right? untimely death at the the result at the are you implying that Michelle Mosby, because she Absolutely asked the police not. to target Absolutely the area, not. she's responsible for his death? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm just not making the connection. Absolutely not. I but, was wondering, okay. Well, I'm just saying that this is the same system. So I hope that if her, whatever her plan is, that she will look at the woman in the mirror in the plan as well and say, Okay, this is what I can do better to help fix the system. Because we can't just continue to point the fingers at everyone else and not look at ourselves and check our privileges. So what is it that you expect her to do? Is she not supposed to be? I mean, I'm just wondering, like, isn't this part of her job, These, these this type of, like, prosecution of drug offenders? I mean, if we're going with the way the justice system is already set up. If you know it's it's right the way it is. Well, I mean, she, shouldn't she, she? She can make some choices because we know the majority of people that receive drug offenses are users. 
they aren't dealers. Right. Or, or if they, they deal in at such a small levels Unless that... Unless you are a white, northeastern, so upper middle class opioid user. Did you ask me a question? I did, but okay. I was just throwing in oh, there. Okay. All you right, know. all right. So I'm, I'm going to finish if you allow me. I'm you just know. letting everyone know that the opioid epidemic <clears throat> in the northeast of upper middle class white people is treated a little bit different. So hopefully Michelle Mosby will, maybe she'll start treating people in her jurisdiction like some of these people in the northeast. You know, maybe she'll start giving them uh, drug court or substance abuse classes you know I mean, she, it's at her discretion you know she can she can give them treatment you know these types of things she can definitely do like that that happens on her watch so hopefully that's one thing she can do i i can i can understand that we got to make sure that one it, it does come out of the taxpayer dollar so it'll definitely take some rearranging on her part along it, it's with cheaper to give people treatment than into incarceration i'm telling you she just can't wake up tomorrow morning and say this is what we're gonna do she has to actually go through like city council like every she's got to make sure that everybody's on the page i'm saying i'm not saying she shouldn't do it i'm just saying this, it's not gonna happen overnight you shouldn't expect this, this tomorrow she can use the same money i I know that. What I'm saying is <laughs> she has to make sure everyone else is on board. And as we know, which is why I keep pointing out this upper middle class white opioid overdose type uh, epidemic in, in the Northeast, people see drug abusers that are black and brown in a different light. I hope this is a part of her plan. But we also have to understand that it's going to take some time for that to actually be implemented. Not only that, implicit bias says that when an upper middle class white kid is on drugs, they just made some poor, they, you know, their environment was bad. It was a poor decision. or Right. When lower, well, lower class black and brown people become addicted. It doesn't addicted, even have to be lower class. Or not even, just black and brown people become addicted to something. It's because they are inherently like a weak or bad person. Yes. And that's what the Nixon... And then Reagan administrations did. Right. So I'm saying I'm, then, uh, I agree know, uh, with you. And I mean, let's not give passes. The the Nixon, the Reagan, the Clinton, the Bush. Well, the, the Nixon, the Reagan, the Bush, the Clinton, the Bush, and now the Obama administration have all perpetuated. They've all been a part of the problem. Oh, they all have. I will say, though, that Eric Garner, he did try to try to work around that. Eric Holder, you mean? Sorry, did I say Eric Garner? Yes. Oh man, Eric Holder, <laughs> Eric Holder did do his fair his fair part, or at least started to. I'm not going to yeah, say. But, but, I'm not but, saying he did a but, perfect job. But, uh, I'm saying that there was an attempt that was made. Let's not give the Obama administration. I didn't. A pass. Did I say no, Obama on, gets a pass? But hold did on, anybody because hear me the say Obama that? administration increased funding for a lot of these programs that militarized police forces and enforce these this war on drugs narrative so i mean let's not give them passes i'm know. not giving them a pass i'm just saying like if we're calling yeah, everything I, out yeah so i, I mean there too. how much can we say eric garner really changed eric garner i mean dad look what you started i didn't start anything <laughs> how much can we say that eric holder really changed if his commander in chief was still you know, putting money into these programs to make these more difficult. So Marilyn Mosby is going to change what our president did. This is apples and oranges. She's she's. I, trying I to asked the question. She's trying to change one city first. Right. So I think that's 
a lot easier for her to start with one city. When is and her maybe, plan to be re re released? I don't know. I don't know. Can we get a deadline on that, Marilyn Mosby? Is so that, her is that husband, a possibility? Her husband used to follow me on Twitter. I'm going to have to check. But yeah. So some other things that I would like for her to do, I like for her to push. So she has did some good things already after Freddie Gray. I think they're going to have cameras now and all of the paddy wagons. She listed, yeah, like pretty much if you they if you haven't seen cameras, her press conference. Yeah. That she she listed a lot of the changes that are coming out of this, like the in incremental changes or the the smaller justices that will lead to big wins later on, like in the long term that they have gotten out of this this case, even though the six officers will no longer be charged. Yeah, I really like for them, and I encourage our listeners to do this as well. Go to your council meetings and learn about how you all use the asset forfeiture program okay look at us talking about solutions because the asset forfeiture basically gives police departments and law enforcement agencies an incentive to arrest people for drug crimes because then they can keep um, assets cars money everything that they that they seize in these drug crimes and so now they have an incentive to do that and so i think that's when when this country kind of went into allowing asset forfeiture um to go to local departments i think that really kind of changed our focus to make sure that we really started honing more so on drugs so yeah you know we we started off talking about the death of Freddie Gray, and now here we are talking about the war on drugs. I think it's all connected, you know? Like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not remembering who I heard it from, but, you know, all injustice is connected on some level. And so I think that that's something that we need to understand when we're creating solutions to these issues is to look at it you know you do want to have like small scale viewpoints on certain things because you have to kind of zone in on certain things to ensure that things get done but at the same time like it's a web and we have to have people working at different aspects or different you know corners of of every form of injustice to ensure that we kind of are able to dismantle the system that's been created yeah you know, while we are here, I think I probably should go ahead and admit this. The robot attack on the suspect in the Dallas shooting hasn't really sat well with me. Why not? I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just asking why. Because essentially it was a drone attack on our soil. And I think that we probably need to set some parameters behind when we should use, like, robots or drones to attack american citizens now please do not hop in my mentions <clears throat> the shooting of the officers in dallas was definitely a, a heinous act right but it was they they kind of were trial judge and jury and what should have happened yeah, with i him. never agree with the police chief did say that he stood behind it and he'd do it again yeah. but but was he 
a threat at that time. I mean, I, the, I think the... I guess we don't know. We, that's the thing, that we don't know at the time, like, how many more bullets he had, what it would have taken in order to take him in if he weren't... But the thing about it was they've waited people out before. Hours. And I'm not... Days. Yeah, days. And so I, I understand that people are saying, like, at what cost would it have taken, but... At some point, they would have been able to wait this person out. And it was a completely heinous crime. I feel like it was problematic on so many different levels. It deeply disturbed me. My heart goes out to the families Absolutely. of those slain at so undeservingly. But at the same time, like if we're going to be, a, you know, as Donald Trump says, a country that's based on law and order, the use of that robot does not fall under a nation that is based on law and order. You know, it's once again, it's the killing of an American extrajudiciously. And, right, and that's and I, problematic. I, I, I can't ever stand for that. You know, I think that whomever should always be afforded a day in court. Yeah, know? I mean, that's... If they're and a police that's the, officer or if they're a citizen... That's the way our system with bunny ears around it works. You don't get to choose when the system you know applies to certain people if we say that you are allowed your day in court you are allowed your day in court i don't care if they had to you know they could have switched officers in and out i understand emotions were running high and that you know those were some of their friends you know like family members and i don't know how i would have reacted had someone shot someone in my family and then i was responsible for taking them in in a I guess, professional manner. It probably wouldn't have happened, but I also don't wear that uniform and that's not an oath that I've taken. So I think in that case, that that robot should, should never have been used and he should have gotten his day in court just like Dylan Roof did. I guess is where I'd really like some more information on this because the, the, the robot kind of scoped out the area first, right? Right. So we should have, I wonder if he had a lot of ammunition. Did he have bombs? Like what led them to say, we have to make this move right now? And, you know, maybe if I heard that, it would sit a little bit better with me. But I'd really like, and this is something that you can talk with your local government about as well, because like that robot wasn't very expensive. But kind of like when when are we going to use this? Like what is this for? And if if he was if those people were still in imminent danger, I I probably would say okay, I understand. Maybe it's justified, but at that time he was no longer shooting. They said that they had a conversation with him, right? <clears throat> and you know by this time the best of the best had supposedly gotten there. So they should maybe try to negotiate, talk them down. And maybe all of these things did happen, but we just haven't heard about it yet. And, you know, one of the things in this country, people, someone's going to write a book about this. Oh, absolutely. Marilyn Mosby is going to write her book. <laughs> I mean, just calling the spade the spade. Like, she's going to write her book about this story. And... Uh, I hope that the entire story comes out. You know, it's kind of like a blessing and curse. I 
definitely, the entire story never comes out. I definitely disagreed when the guy told the story about the raid on Osama bin Laden. I didn't think he should have did that. Right. But nevertheless, this is this is America. <laughs> so for better or for worse. Yeah. But I think this was definitely a good conversation. Do you think that we ate today? Did we eat? You know, I think we we talked about something that was somewhat ignored and we did present some solutions. Right. So with that being said, I guess I did go to the buffet. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think that we opened a lot of doors that I think that people aren't necessary. They're kind of like peeking through. I definitely think that solutions were offered. I'm still a little bit frustrated by the state of things and I'm hoping that by opening these conversations or like just having these conversations and trying to create some type of solutions that these issues one day become non-issues. And if not in my lifetime, then hopefully if I have children, then in my children's lifetimes or, you know, my nieces and nephews or something. It's, I don't know. I, I just hope that this is like step by step. We, we get to the place that we want to get to. Absolutely. Well, this concludes episode 11. 11, guys. This is intense. That's 11 straight weeks. For those of you who already aren't following us on Twitter, follow us at Ain't No Free Lunch. You can follow me at DM Green with an E at the end. So D M G R E N E one eight eighteen. With that being said, peace out. <laughs>